This is a super important podcast about hair. Question mark. Featuring Ryan Teal and Stephen Adams as your co-hosts. Let's begin. <laughs> That's probably how I'm actually going to start this, by the way. <laughs> so, um... <clears throat> Hey guys, uh, this is Ryan TL again, another super important podcast. And this time I'm with a really, really dear friend of mine, um, Joe Pornstash Portinari, um, who is a, I'm not gonna like, like tell a whole lot, but I, I actually, I got to meet him working for a um, manufacturer not too long ago, um, where I, I mean, he was the director of uh, sales and I was the um, director of education and we became really good friends and toured around a little bit. Um, but I, I mean, I just wanted to, to, to give a little bit of background um, a really big, you know, like inspiration for me. The, the kid knows more about uh, uh, sales than, than most people, and, and it's not a bad sale. So, really, with, with that being said, um, why don't you tell them a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are right now, Joe? Yeah, no, thanks, Ryan. And first off, I think, you know, it's awesome to hook up again. So, yeah. cheers, brother. Cheers, definitely. Yeah, yeah, nice yeah. to see you. This is water, by the way, and that's apple juice. Yes. It's. Uh, <laughs> Roughly one o'clock uh, West Coast time and um, Sunday, so here we go. No, so yeah, um, how did I get started? Where did all yeah. this stuff happen? You have a great story, man. Well, it's a real story, and I think that's really at the end of the day what it's all about. Um, something that you always used to talk about: hairdressing. You didn't choose hairdressing; hairdressing chose you. Mm -hmm. Well, that comes true for me as well. Uh, I was born in this business. My father started with Paul Mitchell in 1984, working for his cousin, C.B. Sullivan, uh, which was an amazing distributorship based out of uh, New Hampshire, which mm -hmm. obviously you know C.B. and mm -hmm. the operation. Um, you know, and, and so as a young boy, I just, I, I always saw what C.B. was doing, but from a different perspective, you know, and he was very successful. And, you know, people that grew up in, you know, Suncook, New Hampshire, where I was, where I was from, uh, you didn't really see that level of success very often, you know, mm -hmm. so I kind of saw it from the outside looking in and There was a side of me that always said someday, you know, maybe I can be like CB Sullivan mm -hmm. who knows mm -hmm. um, You know and so at the end of the day it was like my father was in the business I didn't quite understand what that looked like But I still have memories of being like two years like not two, like four or five years old riding around shotgun with my dad down Newberry Street going in and out of salons just like <laughs> you know yeah it's kind of like what, what is this yeah. right um, to you know to the 90s where I was you know in a Farouk hair show when they were launching you know semi-permanent funky colors oh, wow. so that was even happening back in the 90s nice. right um, was that in Boston or Massachusetts? That was actually in Massachusetts. Okay, yeah, okay. so it was it was really interesting and I never really understood what that was You know and so at the time it was you know Dennis Rodman's playing for the Bulls and he's got funky hair And all of a sudden I have funky hair, right? And Were you wearing skirts as well like he was? I wasn't wearing skirts, <laughs> but I should have. Maybe that was I don't know what I did wrong uh, You know, but you know, it was it was it was a cool time and Again, I just, I never really quite understood what that was, but what it did for me long term was amazing, you know? So anyways, it took a path like any, I think anybody would that, you know, maybe wanted to blaze their own trail. And so I tried to go away from hair. And really that was because my whole family was in it from my sister to my aunts, to my grandmother, to my uncles. I mean, every one of my family members worked at CB Sullivan's 
And then my dad's sister, who uh, married, um, who ended up marrying a gentleman named Craig Michio, him and his father ended up starting their own distributorship. And so now all of a sudden we had two family members wow. that had, you know, two different distributors and they both had somewhat of a point of difference. You know, Stevie CB had the storefronts and, you know, this massive organization yeah, he's doing, massive, you know, yeah. $55 million a year or $56 million a year since 1990 till he sold in roughly like 2009, 2010 or whatever it was. It was just unbelievable, yeah. you know? And then here's this other spinoff that who would have ever thought they maybe would have grabbed traction. and. You know, they ended up getting some really great brands over the years, and you know, now they're Evolved Salon Systems. What which was it originally called? I can't remember. It was called Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope, and, yeah, yeah. And Gene Michio was the one who started that distributorship, who was actually my dad's first ever boss at CB's. Oh, wow. oh, wow. yeah. oh, cool. So his son, Craig Michio, marries my dad's sister, and uh, they end up starting a, a business together, and then it, it, it evolves into uh, this company called Evolve. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, they run the New England marketplace. CB ended up selling to Salon Centric, and, you you know the rest was history with all that and my father was always in my ear saying you know Joe when are you gonna you know come work in the business and for me I was snowboarding in Lake Tahoe you know 100 days a year I'm playing golf every day in the summer you know I was really pursuing a lifestyle and I was I was honestly at a crossroads in my life where it was like career or lifestyle and um, you know like anything in life I think when something gets thrown your way that kind of shakes up the norms in your system right that's when you end up maybe making a different decision and that happened that decision happened to be hair which took me to uh, Boston Massachusetts and and uh, you were you, you became a rep at that point if I remember if I remember the story because I haven't really actually like sat and listened to your story I mean, I've, I've only ever heard snippets but you, be, you were a rep or a DSC yeah, no, exactly. So again, I didn't really know what that meant, mm -hmm. right? And so my dad's in my ear and he's like, Joe, you gotta come join this company called Kaleidoscope. They got some really cool brands. And in my head, I'm like, why am I not joining Uncle CB? Like, you yeah, know, CB yeah. is the winner. Like, he's the guy who's been dominating my whole life. You know, season tickets to the Red Sox, the Celtics, the Bruins, like, yeah. you know, constantly just giving back to our family and allowing all of us to reap the rewards of his success. And so, for me, it's like I want to, I want to, I want to work with him. Yeah. He, he's the one who's who's winning and kicking goals. And my dad's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like these these guys have a different foothold, and the industry's changing. And you know, I think like any young guy, you're like, Dad, what do you know? You know. Mm -hmm. And thank God I I listened to him. And really, the deal was, uh, if you pay for my one way, or if you pay for my round trip ticket from Lake Tahoe, uh, you know, back to New Hampshire to meet with Craig and the boys. Uh, then I'll go I'll go have that meeting right and uh, ended up meeting uh, with Jerry who ran sales I never met this guy Jerry Hamill before and he ended up becoming my boss um, who you know because he was running the sales division and uh, you know became a mentor of mine and somebody that I'm I, I can't even tell you how much this man's taught me and you know and then you had Gene and Craig and you know a couple other guys over there Gary Cody and Tyler Gadwa I mean these guys are top level yeah dudes. yeah and I met I, most of them I think yeah exactly yeah. right when we yeah. were at Jay Beverly yeah. and you know and, and not to mention you know I got my father right yeah so yeah. Um, anyways that that took me back and yeah I became a rep um, in Boston Massachusetts bringing to market Kevin Murphy in the early days and a brand called Euphora and a couple other color lines out of Italy and you know, just some stuff that, you know, no one had ever heard of at the time. And you became a beast. I mean, like, I've heard stories, not from you, but I, I heard that you, you know, like, like some of the other people that evolved that, that really look up to you are like, yeah, you know, Joe was a beast in, in, in 
boss, and you actually um, were really good at flipping uh, a couple of really difficult colored accounts. Like that almost became you know kind of your thing. Yeah. Um, but what happened? So so you, you were a rep for, um, or, or you were repping uh, U4 and Kevin Murphy. Um, what happened after that? Because I, I mean, there is like I'm trying to get you up to like the, the Jay Beverly Hills where we pretty yes, much met. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, great question. So to your point, yeah, I, I had some success out on the road in Boston and really the success happened because I was hungry, you mm -hmm. know, and it came from a place of I'm tired of, I'm tired of, you know, starving in a sense, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, you're getting paid on Thursday and you're broke on Friday. That's not a good feel when you're a 23 year old guy that wants to go out and take a girl out on a date, yeah, right? You yeah. can't do that. Yeah. And you're living in an expensive city. I'm living with my dad at the time, you know, thank God he was, he was looking out for me and, and giving me this opportunity. And I, it, something hit me and, and it was really interesting. I was working with a manufacturer rep one day and we were walking into an account. I was probably, I don't know, maybe three weeks into the job and I just saw the sole focus, right? And I saw someone walking in with a bag of products that was branded as one brand and, and that brand happened to be Euphora and I just thought in my head, I was like, wow, I, I think I like that a little bit better than having this multi-line portfolio because for me, it's about being all in. Like mm -hmm. that just mm -hmm. always spoke to me and the other side of it was, you know, going back to the beginning, as I was telling you, I didn't want to ride off my, my family's coattails. I, I just, I was very conscious of that. And I think growing up in the East Coast, that's something that, you know, you're really mindful of as a young, as a very, very young person is that, you know, you don't want to use your family's name to your advantage. You actually want to um, blaze your own trail because you believe in yourself, mm -hmm. right? And so that's where the manufacturing thing really came into play. It was single line focus and it was one of those scenarios where it was like, I need to blaze my own trail. I need to I need to show show the world that, you know, Joe Portinari has what it takes too. And and that's ultimately what got me fixated on that. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and I think to kinda add context of how did it happen I just started putting myself out there and someone told me a long time ago that permanent color is permanent business, you know, mm -hmm. as far as a, as, a, as a sales consultant is concerned and, you know, I just, I, I made that my point to learn hair color and I'm not a hairdresser, I don't know how to speak that language and so it was a, it was a massive learning curve and a lot, of, a lot of sacrifices but I figured if I'm the youngest guy out here and I'm, create, and I'm creating momentum in arguably one of the best markets in North America. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm building great customers, and I'm doing it with brands that no one's ever heard of, especially from a color perspective, and you know this yeah, as a salon yeah. owner. You know, maybe I can make a name for myself, you know, and, and I know it's gonna take time, but if I continue to just tell people and, and put my, my face out there and say, I want more, right? And I ultimately wanna be, you know, focused in the manufacturing arena, and someday I hope that maybe I could run a hair care company, someone's gonna finally give this young guy from Suncook, New Hampshire a break. Mm -hmm. and, and that's ultimately what happened. A gentleman by the name of Paul Austin who was working with Juwan Juwan at J. Beverly Hills phoned me one day and said, mate, what are you doing with, with hair color? Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, Paul, you got something special and I believe in it and my customers do too and I'm just having fun placing it in salons. And he said, well, you know, Juwan wants you to fly out to uh, Los Angeles and, and meet him uh, you know he, he's he's looking to expand his sales company his sales division within the company mm -hmm. and have you, had you met uh, Juan Juan before then never okay okay I had never met him I'd, I'd honestly I'd, I'd seen the brand a little bit on the South Shore when I was in and out of a few accounts and I, I always thought that it had a really beautiful logo uh, you know I, yeah. I, it, it was it, to me it was timeless you know 
And when the when the product launched, there was a guy by the name of Max Eli who was uh, who was heading up the color and one of the creators. And you know they had said, hey, he's got this cool program. Invite all your customers. He tells you about how great the color is and gives all the feature and benefits. Shows some of the performance on some models. Uh, you know, and hairdressers seem to really you know like the way he communicates about color. So. You know, I really took somewhat of a, of a leap of faith as a rep and said, you know, I'm going to trust this with blind faith. I really like this guy, Paul Austin. He's one of the best presenters I've ever met That's in my life, heard, yeah, yeah, right, in, yeah. in a sales meeting atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I gave it a crack. And, you know, Max ended up, you know, delivering an unbelievable program. I end up opening up a, a, a ton of hair salons um, with the color and they start having a tremendous amount of success. And you know I'm I'm in a heavy Goldwell market where people don't switch, and mm -hmm. I'm from the East Coast in New England where people don't like change, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, ultimately that brought me to the brand. But no, I I didn't know them. We we, they, we had just launched with that product line maybe five months. Oh, six interesting. Months. So it wasn't I didn't like know that. we had the brand very wow. long. And within the first three months, you know, I was doing 15k a month with with Jay Beverly Hills, this brand that no one's ever heard of, and you know, 80% of that Ryan was hair color, wow, which was uh, insane. And, and that's, that's what that's, brought me to the company. Well, and that's that's tough to do. But I mean, now that I'm working with distribution, um, having a brand new a brand new manufacturer in your portfolio at distribution and being able to write 15k a month that quickly. That says something for not only that brand, but also says something for for you as and and as well as Max, really, um, being able to, to, to that you guys found a cool little niche. Yeah, you know, I think that I think that's pretty rad. Well, I think it's 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 a few things. You know, one of it is one of the biggest things is desire, right? Mm -hmm. Purpose and focus. But more importantly, sometimes when you've never done something before, you get that feeling of, I don't know what I don't know. Exactly. And you so create you success. Yeah, and yeah. that's where the underdog mentality is so cool to mm -hmm. me. And and you know, now I look at my life now and I think I think of my latest opportunity and I wasn't the underdog and that was hard. It was really hard because I've always played that underdog and I think when you live in that space of, you know, you, you know you don't know, right? Sometimes good things happen if you're just a hard worker and you're focused, you know you're not gonna cut corners and you believe in honest business, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's ultimately what happened. And you know, and then I met great people like yourself. And like you said earlier in the beginning of this, you know, we got to tour together, which was the first time I've ever done that with yeah, an artist. Yeah. We we, we kind of created that on the fly. It was just a very interesting concept. Like who puts a sales guy and an artist on a stage, you know, with a, a crowd of people, and all of a sudden we're like we're creating this really interesting dynamic duo and uh -huh. you know my my whole goal was to really MC for you and, and open it up and kind of let you come in and do your thing and I had never seen an artist that do that that has your ability mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and we talked about this last night a little bit when I ran into you and and for me it's you know you got artists who are technically amazing right and they do some unbelievable um, you know hair whether they're a colorist or they're you know, into styling and editorial mm -hmm. or whether they're haircutters, but how many people can like mesh that into being a great communicator, but more importantly, like bringing it outside of hair and making it a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I feel like happened between you and I that oh, was organic because yeah. yeah. that was a belief of yeah, mine as well. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. We used to, I remember I was sitting in, in uh, hotels and like, like we would just sit and like, like think of how we could actually make our, 
uh, presentations better. And I, I mean, those are some of the greatest times, really. I mean, there's that time in uh, Kansas City at the sales meeting that we couldn't afford to get, we couldn't afford to stay at that, that horrible hotel in Blue Springs. I can't remember the name of that, it's uh, the Courtyard Marriott. Yeah. And we had to stay like down the hall, like, so we'd go and hang out with everybody in the, uh, uh, <laughs> at the sales meeting that we had to go like off to, yes. to, to the cheap, like $100 yes. uh, night home. Yeah, that was so fucking funny. I just said fucking on, on TV. Um, not TV, but uh, the podcast. We're uncensored. Yeah, here totally, that. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you uh, we worked with uh, at Beverly Hills together for a while, and then uh, I remember you came to me one day, and I was like, God, it was right after I broke both my knees too. And you came to me and you sat down, and you're like, I want to tell you before I tell anybody else, but but you uh, uh, had another gig, yeah. And you went to uh, and you were crushing it now, by the way. And I told you not to come to my territory, but you're also crushing it in my territory <laughs> as well. So so what is your title now, and 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 what are you working with? Like, like yeah, so. I knew I knew probably about six months into my journey with Jay Beverly Hills that it wasn't going to be my last stop. Yeah. But it was gonna be a very important stop. And you know, it, it really allowed me to grow as a human and stretch myself, mm -hmm. you know, and, and something I really believe in is there is no comfort zones. When you're really out there and you're after it, what is a comfort zone, right? And so when I really when I started realizing that that this wasn't gonna be my last stop, my eyes were open. But I'm a brand builder and I mm -hmm. like stuff that's brand new, you know? And I think that goes back to my kaleidoscope and evolve days. I mean, that's what these guys were. Put the hard hat on, roll the sleeves up and make it happen. When I was in Boston, we had no business down there, you know? And here comes this 23 year old young kid talking to these icons, telling them, hey, you need to bring on this, you need to you know, do business with us or whatever the case may be. So anyways, I, I was just, I had this affinity in this thing where it's like someday I'm gonna get my crack with something that has a clean slate. No one's ever heard of it. And you know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be something that's gonna really you know, take off quickly. Mm -hmm. And that led me to these Australian guys who, you know, I, I think there was may, maybe some of the early days of me working with a brand like Kevin Murphy because, you know, Australia is a smaller country. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they probably had maybe heard a little bit of me through friends of friends of networks of networks. Yeah, of course, yeah. Right? But um, ultimately, I get this phone call and they're like, hey, mate, uh, I got your number. You know, my name's Carlo Gattuso. Uh, I got this brand called Eleven Australia, and I'm going, yup, I've seen it, I've heard of it. What do you mean? How have you seen this? How have you heard of it? I go, I found you guys on Instagram two years ago, and I remember telling my old mentor, Paul Austin, saying, when this thing comes, I think it's gonna be really big. I don't know who the, who the people are behind this brand, but it looks really good. Um, and I didn't even know pricing, I didn't know product performance, I didn't even know none of that. It just had this feeling to me that felt very youthful, very fresh, and very young. And now all of a sudden I'm on the phone with one of the founders, right? And, and who happens to be the global CEO of the brand and who is now my boss, right? That's who I report to. And he goes, I want you to spearhead this in North America and you're gonna be the leader of Eleven Australia. And you know, you're gonna take this to market and, and, and do a great job with it, I believe in you. They said no one approved this, I don't know what's going on. Okay, take two at Lindo Michigan. Okay, so we had to. Uh, we, we, we were in. Where, where were we? We were like. Where was that place? What was that? There was like the the extra special area of um, the sports bet at the Westgate, and uh, 
Joe was like, hey, let's go do it in there. And it was like, it was like closed to like anybody else supposed to be there. But we went ahead and snuck in and then Bernie Mac shows up, you know, with, with like ill-fitting pants and like makes us leave. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're hurting a whole lot of people. And Joe's like, you know, he's like, do I really need to, uh, I mean, ask for, for permission instead of uh, uh, ask for forgiveness. So uh, we got kicked out of sports bet at Westgate. And now we're at our favorite, or my favorite, um, I think you're probably your new favorite, uh, Mexican Yum. joint in Las Vegas, which is Lindo Michicon. It's a little noisy, but hey, get over it. Um, so I wanted to, you know, you, you were talking about, uh, you know, you coming to work with an, uh, 11, uh, 11 Australia. Um, but I do kind of want to take it in a completely different like, direction now. So, totally. you know, um, how, where do you see... Where do you see the hairdressing industry like like going? What is the future of the hairdressing industry, in your opinion? Yeah, I love that question. I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. And, you know, for me, I feel like it's one of the most opportunistic times, right? Like, when I think about sales and when I got into this business, it always used to drive me nuts that people would try to move hairdressers through fear. Yeah. Right? Fear of Ulta, fear of diversion, fear of e-commerce. Right? Like that was always like the, the tactic to say, oh, you should partner with me because I'm doing the opposite of what yeah, these people yeah. are doing. And really when you when you really like break it down to its purest form, how strong really is that? Like mm. how much like would do you really have something that special if you have to like try to maybe take a shot at someone else to elevate yourself? And yeah. so that being said, where do I see the industry? I think we're in a great place. I mean, I'm watching so many people become successful from the independent artist, the booth renter, the, the person who wants to open up their, their first ever commission salon, mm -hmm. the seasoned salon that's reinventing themselves, um, you know, startup brands. A lot and, of startup and, brands right start, now. Yeah, startup brands, you know, scissor companies, um, appliances, like, it's just wide open. And I really feel like right now the opportunity is, is with the progressive people that aren't afraid to change and do things new. And sometimes by doing things new, I feel like it's a, I think we have a, a birthday, yeah, that's a, a mariachi, <laughs> a, a wedding, not sure. So meanwhile, um, while we got the music cranking and by the way, this place is really cool. Um, anyways, so really what I'm, like, for me, what it boils down to is just, it's not about having to be brand new. Sometimes it's about going backwards and finding out what works and putting a new school spin on it. Like, we're just seeing so much right now with like people that are getting inspired by the 70s or the 80s or the 90s, I mean, obviously the 90s. 90s, right? yeah, like, yeah. It was massive. And to the point where now, like, I feel like Gen X is something that's starting to come back as well. This whole kind of like free, this whole movement away from, you know, the establishment. And I think a lot of that plays into our, our industry. And I really feel like for the first time, the underdog has the advantage. Oh. I love that. So it's like almost like an even playing field. Like, like probably with a lot of the, the Instagram, like, influencers and whatnot. Um, that, that you don't have to be... Um, picked by a manufacturer, you can actually like, like almost build your own, you know, playing field, and, and they might actually come to you. Is that, I mean, well, it kind of lives by this whole mantra of create your own way. Oh uh, yeah, right. Yeah. And the other thing that I find interesting is, I would say even three years ago, people used to say find your lane and stick to it. Uh -huh. I don't know if that's true anymore. I mean, I'm watching some of the, you know, like the, the owner of Off White, for example. Like this guy is in so many lanes, and he's doing it at such a high level. 
it's it's really fascinating from collabs with Nike to collabs with Louis Vuitton to being a DJ that's spinning world trending music to a guy who's doing in art installations to partnering with with uh, IKEA and doing you know furniture like how does it get any more of a, of a of a broad spectrum of being a true creative and when I look at somebody like that who's maybe a little more pro prolific at this point um, I still think that that's happening in the hairdressing industry and maybe on a little bit more of a micro level that can soon become macro and uh -huh. for me that that's really cool I love it it's, it's really inspiring uh -huh. yeah I dig that so um, if you and, and I, I don't really want to take it um, to like a sales rep standpoint because I, I really don't even look at you as a sales rep I actually think of you as like like somebody that really has their pulse when it comes to sales and you know hairdressers very well because you've been around it for so long yeah um if you could give yourself or not yourself if you could give a hairdresser advice right now on, on maybe how to even maybe a, a new uh, hairdresser or or um you know somebody who maybe has been around for a while and really you take it the way you want to take it but if you can give somebody like like advice on, on what you see the, the, the industry is going and where somebody should go, because I always ask you for advice, always. I'm always asking you to help me, you know, navigate landmines. But if you can give somebody who's like like maybe you know you don't know necessarily, like what would what would a hairdresser could do to be more successful, like like not tomorrow, but maybe get them on a path. Fantastic question, and I think for me, what it boils down to is be you, because that's what's special, right? Me? They should be me. Yeah, they should be you. Exactly. <laughs> be Ryan Teal. <laughs> the greatest hairdresser of all time. <laughs> but but on, on a serious note, and you do a good job at this, it's it's just really getting down to who you are as a person, right? And really what your lifestyle looks like. Like, wouldn't you agree that lifestyle is everything? Uh -huh. It's like, it's not just about hair. It's not just about your personal life. It's not just about your your, your relationships or where you're traveling. Or what, it's all of that. And it's like, when you can start to harness all of that and get down to the purest form where you're no longer trying to impress anybody, right? You're just on your path and you're moving towards the goals and towards your purpose, mm -hmm. things start to happen and, and it will get lonely because typically when you are when you really find your true self and you're really out there trying to get after it, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. And that's the best place to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that's when you really find out what your talents are and what makes you special as a person. And I feel like that's what people want to vibe with. Uh -huh. And eventually that creates this magnet. And I, and I talk a lot about that with people you know, that I care about. It's like create your magnet. And, and yes, does aesthetic play a role in that? 100% it does. And the thing that I love about aesthetic is most people that don't like fashion or struggle with fashion, with their with their aesthetic look, right? It's because they're feeling really uncomfortable doing something that they actually want to do. And I go through that struggle each and every day. I'm sure you've gone through that struggle. We all have, right? And But I'll tell you, when you start to step out of that box, and you start to say, you know what, I'm now going to carry myself the way that I believe, you know, is, is, is the wave of the future. It's so refreshing, especially to the people that vibe with that. And, and that's the magnet. To me, that's the movement. And so, you know, for the hairdressers listening out to, to this, to this um, you know, the, this podcast that we're having here, it's really about being you and build a brand that is authentic. And that will create that magnet. Don't cut corners, you know, don't try to be something that you're not. People can sense that nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Organic is everything. Yeah, Build something organically. And I promise you, people will vibe with that, you know, and all of a sudden everything changes. I love that. 
Okay, so last two questions, favorite two questions. Not favorite two questions, because <laughs> I haven't asked this one before. Um, but I, I kind of feel like I would like to have it in, with other people. But um, you always turn me on to like, like, like people you might be like listening to in like books on tape or, or reading books and stuff like that. Because I remember you told me once that you didn't want to, like when you first went to LA, you didn't want to buy a, a TV. You just wanted to like, like listen to stuff and read stuff that's going to make you more successful. 100%. What are you listening to or reading right now when it comes to like, you know, like Seth Godin or, or any of those, those you know, types of people that are like the, the success gurus? Who's, who's your, your top three right now? Or, or what are you reading? That, that, is a, that is a fantastic question. And to be honest with you, it became a point in time where I, 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 I'd say the last two years, I've, I've kind of pulled back from, from um, you know, self-improvement books. Okay. And let me tell you why. For me, it was a lot of the same things that I was hearing over and uh -huh. over again with someone else having their own take on it. And what I realized was, was I needed to go back to the very beginning. Uh -huh. What truly got me to where I'm at? You know, what was it that inspired me and what was it that truly helped me? And it goes, and anybody who, who knows me or who spent time with me, they all know that it comes down to one book, right? Uh, and it's Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I mean, okay. that, that's, that to me is, it, that's where it starts. And that's because there's a system in it that makes sense. A call right? to action, yeah. And, and what it boils down to is, is there's a hidden message in the book and the hidden message is know what you want. Uh -huh. and, and I think there's so many people that are out there right now that truly don't know what they want. And, and once you figure that out, everything changes. Everything changes. So for me, it was going back to my roots and figuring out, like, what was it that made me successful when I was a sponge and I was living in this state of mind of, I know I don't know. Like, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what, what, what success looks like. like. Like, I have no idea how to become something in this industry. And I followed this method and I followed it to a T, right? And it, and it all of a sudden, it started to work. So um, I've been going backwards. Okay. And, and I know that's that cool. maybe no, that's not that. what you're looking actually, for, no, but I, I honestly, I've gone backwards. I actually love it because, you know, like I've been actually trying to go forward right now with, with self-help. Not self-help, but I mean, like, like, you know, just being inspired by, like, you know, how to be more successful on social media and whatnot. But it's actually funny because it all does come back to, to Napoleon Hill. I almost said Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last question. Top 10. I know you don't listen to bands necessarily. Yeah. But, like, your, your top 10, like, like go-tos when it goes to music right now. Love it. So for me, you know, I, I was a, a 90s uh, alternative rock like junkie, uh -huh. right? Like it's just like that was my thing and um, I feel like rock kind of died in the 90s unfortunately yeah. and, I, and I still vibe out with that and, it, and it's always a, a phenomenal, you know, it just kind of brings you back to some stuff that resonated with you at that point in time. And then I kind of shifted gears into the, you know, late 90s hip hop scene uh -huh. and you know, East Coast hip hop was everything, you know. And then all of a sudden that went kind of south, right? So I ended up discovering, um, you know, house music when I was living in San Diego back in 2006 to 2008. And I haven't really gotten off that wave. And, you know, for me, it's I'm just a SoundCloud junkie. Okay. I mean, you know this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and what's been really fun about SoundCloud, opposed to some of the other musical platforms, is, is it really has forced me to find out about music through my ear, opposed to looking up artists and finding out what their new, you know, drop is or, or what's yeah. the hottest, you know, record out. Like, it wasn't so much that. It was like 
just listening through these, you know, getting lost in SoundCloud and finding things that really like was resonating with me. And then all of a sudden I'm traveling to places like Copenhagen and London and whatever, and I'm hearing some of this music on at like these really cool, cool venues. And I don't even know the name of the artist, but mm -hmm. you know, if I was to break it down to a few artists that I think are doing a really nice job, I mean, for me, Eric Pritz, he's number one. Okay. I just think he's like, uh, you know, he's done such a great job at always having that iconic Eric Pritz sound, even though his music can be very like uplifting and really happy and at the same time can be very dark and heavy but he always has this melody to his music and I love the guy um, you know and then I would say camel fat I mean as a new as a new you know DJ on, on the upswing I mean they've just done a phenomenal job uh, and, and also along with Ben Bomber I mean okay. he's just been a beast out of Germany so those are a couple of the guys that I've been vibing with but yeah I'd say when I go back to my like just go to it's always it's always it's Prince. That. yeah cool. I like Prince cool. he's just a great guy awesome well I mean, we're at, I guess we're at like you know probably a little bit over 30 minutes now, and that's as long as I really like to do because most of us don't have um, enough attention span to, to really watch much more than 30 minutes. So, um, dude, man, it's always thank a pleasure you so talking to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Blast. Talk to you guys later. Peace.